0: Welcome to the Dr. Bubbs Performance Podcast, giving you the latest evidence based research and cutting edge insights for elite mental and physical performance. He's connecting you directly with the world's leading experts and coaches. Here's your host, Dr. Bubbs.
1: Hey everyone, welcome to the Dr. Bubbs Performance Podcast, evidence informed, practical based. This is season two, episode number 23. And today I have the pleasure of sitting down with figure athlete, fitness model, and former track and field coach, Alicia Bell, to talk figure competition contest prep and leaning out. In this episode, Alicia will discuss how the training side is the easy part for her, but the diet is more difficult. How far out from competition she starts dieting, her macro splits, as well as percent calorie drops from week to week. Alicia will also discuss her cardio from steady state to hit training and how she divides that up throughout the course of her prep. She will also talk recovery from total sleep time to recovery strategies like infrared saunas and cryotherapy. And finally and perhaps most importantly, the mental side. How important it truly is and how most people recreational or elite are too hard on themselves. As well as she'll also share a key piece of wisdom she picked up along the way about weaknesses. Terrific insights here from Alicia, regardless if you're an avid lifter or training recreationally, some great tips from an elite athlete like Alicia will go a long, long way. You can link to any of the research papers discussed here in this episode at drbubs.com forward slash podcast, as well as my layups, these simple, actionable tips. If you're interested in more on training for females, then definitely circle back to season one, episode number 49 with Dr. Susan Kleiner, who talks the nutrition and fueling side of things. Or season two, episode number six, with Isabel Lahela on training and mindset insights. And of course, if you want to dive a little bit deeper into the body composition assessment, then please check out season two, episode number 12, with Dr. Sean Arendt. If you're new to the podcast, thanks for tuning in. Hope you enjoy, and you may want to check out our highlights episode from season one, a collection of clips from our 15 top experts from season one. Or, of course, Our other 22 episodes of season two, which kicked off earlier this year. If you're a regular listener and enjoying the information, please show your support by sharing on Facebook, reposting on Instagram, or retweeting on Twitter. It is a big, big help for the show. Awesome. Before we get started, a quick word from this episode's sponsor, Totem Sport. Totem Sport is the world's only 100% natural supplement. No sugar, no artificial flavors, absolutely nothing added. What is it? Totem Sport is the world's purest deep ocean mineral water. Collected from natural algae blooms in the Atlantic Ocean, Totem Sport is the only sports drink supplement that contains all 78 naturally occurring minerals and trace elements. The research on deep ocean mineral water is ramping up, a recent study highlighting its major promise as the optimal rehydrating strategy over spring water and other sports drinks. Totem Sport is the evolution of hydration, the world's only 100% natural sport drink, tested and approved by Informed Sport and Informed Choice. Check out totemsport.co.uk and defy the norm. All right, onto the show, Season 2, Episode 23. Enjoy. I'm joined today by Alicia Bell, elite figure athlete, track and field coach, fitness model, personal trainer, and online coach based in Toronto, Canada. Alicia, thanks so much for taking the time today.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: No problem. Well, listen, before we actually dig right into all this contest preparation and your um, amazing background, can you give listeners a little bit more about your background, how you got into competing as a figure athlete
0: sure um where to start I've always been athletic and I always competed in sports um I had previously had like an ACL injury and after the ACL injury I kind of like felt like I lost like my like I was a personal trainer and I always worked out so I felt like I kind of lost that like fitnessy background and Then, um, shortly after the ACL injury, I had a tumor and the tumor wasn't cancerous or anything, but like when I went through the chemo, I ended up feeling like really puffy and I was like a fitness person trapped in like a fluffy body. And my friend had always competed and she was just like, Oh, you need a goal. Like you need a goal, like to, you know, to get back on track and whatever. And she's like, you should compete. And I was always against it. And, um, because of its subjectivity And because, you know, I I used to run track and it's very like, this person crossed the finish line and won.
1: Yeah, it's very straightforward to see who the best is.
0: Yeah, 100%. And so I was just like, I don't know if I like that. Like, I'd rather like, you know, just, you know, work out. But then I found myself more and more just being like, okay, yeah, you're right. I need a goal. So I ended up starting to compete, but I competed in bikini and not figure. <laughs> and I actually like love bikini. I'm like a bikini girl trapped in a figure girl's body that actually the body wants to be physique, and I'm fighting that too. So. Um. <laughs> and can
1: you give listeners a little background if they're not familiar with just the differences between uh, figure and bikini?
0: Sure. Um, bikini is like a softer look. Um, it's still like muscular and fit, but they're looking for nice curves. They're not looking for someone that's got striated muscles or. Um, too much, uh, you know, uh, size, but uh, they're also looking for uh, its overall look. So it's, you know, your personality yep. on stage. And so you're kind of judged on everything. It's just like if a beauty pageant met, like, <laughs> um, a, you know, a, I guess a, a fitness pageant, that's kind of what it is for bikini. For sure. Whereas fig- figure, it's less of that, like, personality on stage because you only have four poses And then it's, you know, you're a little, like the athletes are a little bit more muscular, but they still have heels. Um, you still have like that feminine side. It's basically very feminine, but you're showing off like the muscles and the balance and the symmetry and they're looking for an X frame versus looking for like a a curve, like an S curve, I guess is the best way to put it.
1: Gotcha. And you, of course, you recently competed in the Arnold Amateur World Championships, um, as you said before the show, you know, fantastic result for anybody else, but for yourself disappointed with second. Um, yeah,
0: I'm very hard at myself.
1: Well, can you just walk us through, you know, what's the process there for preparing an event like that? You know, how many months out do you start? What do the training cycles look like? Can you give us a bit of a, a glimpse?
0: Sure. Um, well everybody's body like responds differently, but I'm also somebody that I I always I start. Way far out from a show, just to kind of get into the mindset. Because for me, that's the training is really easy because my whole life, you know, I've been a track athlete and played sports and I've trained like twice a day, three times a day, and that that part's easy. Like I could live in the gym. Like I, I, awesome. I'd rather live in the gym. But <laughs> it's the diet for me that's hard. So it takes me a little while to kind of get in the groove of things. But like some people like turn it on and they can just you know go. But um, I like kind of starting far out. I think that prep was started 22 weeks out. Okay. Um, I just like being on prep. Like some people like hate, hate it and like they're miserable, but like I like to have the goal and the challenge and just to, I like the countdown number to know like, okay, I have nine weeks, I have eight weeks, I have seven weeks. Like I like to start far out. So I'm like 22. Okay. That's great. I have a number.
1: Awesome. Um, yeah, I have recently had Eric Helms on. Doctor Eric Helms, and he mentioned how that's you know such a benefit to be starting further out. And you know, wh- it is, wh- and it's
0: it has to, It's when you start further out too, it's less aggressive, and you don't have to like yeah. panic at the end and do extreme measures or things like that. When you're ready, you're ready. And if you start far out, then you've got that that buffer.
1: And you said 22 weeks. Now, what would a more conventional starting place be?
0: 12 to 16, if you've had, like, a good off-season where you didn't, I guess, what we like to call, like, spill over, so that's where you just, like, gain unnecessary body fat. Like, you do have to put on weight to, like, grow muscle and build, but sometimes some people kind
1: of feel like they've been
0: deprived. Yeah, I feel like they've been deprived.
1: For sure. So, for yourself, 22 weeks out, and as you're getting into the training, is there a certain goal in that, you know, cycle in terms of just adding size, or... For me, it's,
0: I'm the opposite of everybody. So Mm -hmm. you take the regular athlete and I'm literally the opposite in every aspect, nutrition, training, uh, time, uh, types of cardio. So for most people, they want to build in their off-season, but me, I can't grow anymore. I really don't have anything left to grow. And if I do, I would be bumped up to the next category, which is physique. And I don't have a desire, like I respect the physique athletes like completely but for me personally like I love the figure look and I want to stay figure so I tend to do a lot of I guess non-conventional figure curl workouts I end up doing a lot of circuits a lot of um just like cardio based exercises and my cardio volume is a lot higher than most people because of my track background like we'd warm up for 45 minutes before we even start the workout so where somebody who never did cardio before can get the same results from like 20 minutes of cardio. I have to do much greater volume to get the same results because my body's very adapted to it. So my preps are not very easy. And if you think about it like that way, <laughs> compared to a lot of people <laughs>
1: That's really interesting. I was going to ask you about the pros and cons, of obviously you said, you know, you're not wanting to go up a, a class and so not not having to gain the muscles. Sometimes people might think that's kind of a, a benefit of having to do the cardio, but then you mentioned, or the, rather the circuit training, uh, but then you mentioned on the cardio side of things, you have to do quite a lot more compared to others to get the same results, right?
0: Mm-hmm, yeah, and I've also, like, some body parts, like, I don't even train because, um, like, for instance, like, I don't train biceps because uh, we find that, like, um, when you train your biceps, it takes away from the cap on your delt and they're looking for your delt. So I, I don't really train arms and then I can't grow my legs. So I don't really train my legs. And then, mm-hmm. so, you know, I'm starting to run out of body parts that I can like actually train like a bodybuilder. So yeah.
1: And for you then in terms of programming that, is that just minimizing the, the number of, of, of sets or, or keeping things in the higher rep range or just dovetailing into some, some more strength work a little bit to make sure that you're maintaining to a certain degree or what does that look like?
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm just, I don't lift anything till failure. The whole goal is just to make sure I don't grow. Like we do maintenance and things like that, but it's not, I'm not trying to like build. I'm not, I'm not hitting those really low reps for heavy, heavy weights. Like that's very rare if I ever do that.
1: Gotcha. And how long would that process play out for Then Is that, is that does it look like that right up until the competition or is there tweaks going on as well with the nutrition side of things?
0: um my diet's pretty i don't eat too much carbs like we keep the carbs pretty low um nothing nothing like crazy we still like do pretty healthy preps just because we start pretty far out
1: and is there a certain amount maybe at 22 weeks that you'd start out at and that you work your way down to over the course of that time that you can give folks a little bit of insight on you know, is there a certain percentage in a week that you might reduce in terms of calorically? Is it just changing the macros that gets you to where you want to go, or what types of uh, strategies is over that course of that time on the nutrition front would get you to where you want to be?
0: Well, for me, we we keep the diet pretty similar like the entire prep, um, where I'll be like pretty low carb during the week, and then i will do like what we call a refeed meal. Um, and then if you're looking at like the average prep, most people, if you do like a 12 week prep, they're dropping the calories like 2.5 to like 3% each week for because it's an extreme right Mm -hmm. so to get that stage look that leanness they they do that but for me personally like I said I'm like not the norm I don't really have that differentiating diet whereas like the only time it really changes would be like peak week when we just need to make sure that I look full or I, I don't look too striated because I tend to like like I do have really good muscle development so it's a very fine line between looking too hard and striated and like then looking too soft so we just have to just aim on how I look and then that's how my diet will change during the peak week so tends to be just adding a bit more carbs or fats it was really every show is different (laughs)
1: And for yourself, do you find that an advantage, not having to kind of shift your diet around too much versus, you know, for other competitors, I imagine there's more significant uh, shifts going on with different macros or caloric intake.
0: Yeah. Um, every so, like, we kind of get better and better at, like, learning what my body does. Um, and I, I, like, you know, some people, you know, have a little bit of a difficult time, like, whereas, like, my body pretty much responds... Very well to just low carb intake, <laughs> and so we we don't really have to like stress or or do anything, you know, crazy. So I think it works to my advantage that my body's that way.
1: And did that come out of um, you mentioned trial and error? Like how long ago, or was there competitions, or initially earlier in your career where you were experimenting with different strategies, where then you you know you stumbled upon this as for you being the best strategy, or, or you know? It was you-
0: kind of like when, like everything is tracked, right? So when. We had my carbs higher. We just noticed, like, I wasn't losing any weight. I was kind of staying the same. And then when we learned to just keep low carbs for me, then my body will definitely start, you know, changing and, and dropping fat. And, yeah. So it, it just kind of, like, as you go through the prep, you just, like, kind of adjust things. And we learned that, like, oh, this will be my eighth show that we're going into. Okay. So so we kind of learned that early on. <laughs>
1: awesome. And you talked about on the aerobic training side of things, obviously doing more aerobic training than maybe the conventional, uh, the average uh, fitness competitor. Can you walk us through, you know, what types of endurance training you might prefer and, you know, steady state bouts? Is there a certain intensity that you're looking for?
0: Yeah. Well, for me, because when you look at a figure competitor, you want balance. And for me, because of my track background, my legs were actually like, You know, I always grew up in like running track, and my legs are my strong point. They're amazing, they're big and muscular. But then when you try to look at a balanced body and you look at a figure competitor, and then you look at me, my legs were just like too big. (laughs) And I had never been told that before. I was like, What do you mean my legs are too big? These are awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a track athlete. Come on. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a track athlete. So I tend to, we now keep me away from doing too much intense hit like I'll do hit training but I'll do longer intervals um just because have you ever seen an endurance athlete with like a crazy amount of like leg muscle yeah, no. <laughs> like you still want leg muscle but you want it to be like cut and you want it to be very like balanced to your body creating that x frame so I, I do longer intervals just because we don't want my legs to grow whereas if we put shorter sprint intervals like track you know training it, it might we might have uh, that point where my legs just want to blow up again because that's what they were for so long. So I tend to do more steady state or more, like, longer hit intervals. So we mix uh, it up, and, and we mix up machines too because the body's really smart. at adapt. So I'm, I'm not always on the Stairmaster. I'm not always on the treadmill. I'm not always on the elliptical. I'm just, like, pretty much every machine. Gotcha. <laughs> just you. switching it up, yeah.
1: And for you, is there a certain distance, like if you were to do whether it's 400s or 800s or 1500s or maybe it's a time on the treadmill when you talk about these longer hit bouts or a range that it, you might –
0: yeah, we go for time, and then it really—it's the one thing that does change as the prep goes on. Usually, we don't want to overtax the system too early, so we'll start out, you know, with like less cardio, and then we just add it in as needed, like as we get closer to the show.
1: Awesome. And would you say, in terms of the hit making up what portion of maybe the total aerobic training? Like, is most of the training done then in the kind of that aerobic zone?
0: For me most of it's done yep yeah, more of like the endurance zone versus uh, <laughs> versus doing the the anaerobic stuff. So I would say probably for me it's about 70/30.
1: Okay. Awesome. Of course you mentioned you're obviously an outlier in terms of a lot of your your peers and so when you work with clients who are preparing for a competition, you know what mm-hmm. are, what are some of the common mistakes that you see in in your clients when they're getting ready for a prep whether it's on the training or the nutrition front?
0: Oh, so everybody's so different. Um, You know, a lot of it is mental, mental aspects. Like, and even for me, it's the the mental side of things. Um, You never see yourself as you really are. So you tend to be really, really hard on yourself. And it's why I don't coach myself. It's why my boyfriend, like Sean, coaches me. Because, like, if it was up to me, like, I hate how I look even on show day. I don't think I'm, like, shredded. And then I'm, (laughs) like, I win overalls at Ontario. But it's... uh. For most people, it's mental aspects. Like, they don't – they stress – once when they stress about their body, their cortisol raises, their body wants to hold on to fat, their hormones aren't aren't balanced out. So it's, like, if you can control the stress and, like, not worrying and, like, leave the worrying to your coach and, like, you just be a robot, that's kind of (laughs) honestly the best way to go about it. So you can just get rid of that cortisol factor because you don't want cortisol when you're already stressing your body so much physically. Um, But – There's that. And then there's also diet. Like, even like little nibbles, like, do add up. Like, everything's a calorie. Like, it's not, it's all about calories in versus calories out. And, and sometimes, you know, things, things are so subjective. It's like, did, did that, did that bite, those bites that you were taking of your, like, boyfriend's sandwich, your whole prep, like, did that prevent you from first to second? Like, I mean, it's just, everything literally counts. (laughs) So it's like diet. It's diet, definitely diet and, and the mental aspect of it are the
1: two biggest mistakes Yeah, uh, for sure i mean mindset is such a huge piece even in terms of general population trying to lose weight and um for yourself are there any strategies that you use whether it's for, sorry for, for yourself or even with clients that helps on that kind of mindset piece you, you mentioned sort of you know just having a good coach that you can then follow the guidelines and not have to worry so much about making decisions which is obviously stressful but anything else in terms of that mindset piece that can help people to
0: Oh, my clients, like, when, like, everybody's different, but when I see a client kind of, like, struggling on that front, I always ask them, like, what's your why? Like, your, is your why bigger than, like, having the, the extra bite? Or, like, what's your, like, why are you putting your body through this but then cheating on your diet? Like, what what's your why? And, and how how far, like, what, is your, what are your goals? Like, why are you doing this? And then when they really, like, sit down and think and I, I you know, once they they're like, this is my why – like write it out, put it on the fridge, put it somewhere where you see it every day. And just that way you remind yourself, Okay, like, you know, it it's not forever, this is temporary, like I can I can do this. Like just little reminders for themselves. Like I write stuff on my mirror, like in the bathroom. So I just kind of like give them like little tips and tricks like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, those are amazing. It's amazing how just seeing things written, even written down, reading them, reinforcements. I've heard the, the adage of asking why three times to really get to the, the root of something. It's amazing how that can, as you mentioned, sort of gets you to the, the real ultimate reason why we're doing some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, again, for those clients trying to prep up for competition on the training side of things, uh, obviously for yourself, you mentioned things being a bit different, but what are some of the sort of maybe some of the fundamental principles <laughs> for someone who's, who's, who's not in the same position as yourself, who's, who's getting ready for a competition?
0: Um, definitely like some of the fundamental principles, the uh, <laughs> fundamental principles, I would say are for, especially for newbies, like people who have kind of floated around the gym, feel athletic or like decide they want to do a show. Um, I can give you a workout, but it's up to you to control the intensity and the effort, um, that you're putting into that workout because I can give you a workout. You can go to the gym and do it, but like, how much did you really get from it? Did you challenge yourself? Um, it's really, I try to get my athletes to record the weights that they're using each week week to week so they can progress. And then it's also like mind muscle connection is very important. Like I I could go in and like have like a workout, be sweating and like, I just went through the motions like was I thinking about the muscles that I was using was I getting proper like contraction and blood flow um so I think those are two huge things it's definitely the intensity that they are training because you know you can go in do 60 minutes of cardio and like scroll through Instagram for the entire 60 minutes or you can go in and like come out like dying (laughs) which person do you think got the better workout and got more benefit from it (laughs) yeah definitely great insight yeah and if you're doing like say I give you 15 minutes cardio you do that 15 minutes intensely that's great we we might never have to change your cardio your whole prep but if you go in and do that 15 minutes like lots of days like, like then I'm gonna have to increase your cardio and it's just like who really wants to be in the gym doing cardio for like hours and hours. But if you're not putting the intensity in into it, you're not going to get anything from it. So then as a coach, like I can only change what I see. And if you're telling me you're going hard, but you really not, like I can only go, okay, you're going hard, but your body's not responding. We have to increase like, and so <laughs> yeah it's true
1: I mean such a great point in terms of people obviously trying to always find that magical program online or or whatnot that they can just you know the program's going to do the work for them and they just have to follow it and of course there's the main tenets of well-designed programs that will elicit a lot of change but as you mentioned that that x factor of just you know how hard are you working during the the actual session is such a key key determinant of how how, how well you're going to uh, have to adapt and, and, and progress from that so uh, great great tip there and you know, for yourself as well. If we shift gears to on the supplement side of things, I mean, in terms of your nutrition, it sounds like obviously that's pretty well laid out for you. Not too many tweaks throughout the course. Is there anything on the supplementation front, whether it's in the early days or leading up to the competition, that you add in to help support?
0: Yeah, um, just like supplements that help like uh, control uh, your adrenals and your stress factors. Then those things, like, kind of definitely needs to be implemented because not only do you have life stress, you have training stress, you have cardio stress. Your body's really stressed, so kind of controlling the estrogen and the stress in your body are like huge, huge factors.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely, obviously, training intensely is stressful, dieting is stressful, the other 22 hours or of the day as well, if people are busy, uh, all these stressors sort of add up, and of course, the body is naturally primed to resist burning fat the leaner it gets, so it becomes yeah. <laughs> harder and harder and harder to get it to do so, so that notion around, you know, obviously, cortisol, stress hormones playing a role in, in estrogen as well, um, Anything else for you in terms of, you know, caffeine and pre-workouts, things like that? Are you a coffee drinker? Does that, is, <laughs> that have a role to allow, play in all I this? Probably,
0: I will admittedly uh, say that I abuse caffeine, especially yeah. on prep when your energy levels get low. You kind of tend to, and you, you can't take in food for energy. You just go like, okay, I'll have coffee, I'll have an espresso, or I'll have a caffeine pill. Um, but I wouldn't recommend that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I do tend to use, like, um, I'm not that big, like, huge pre-workout person. I do take it sometimes. The thing about, like, pre-workouts and, like, BCAs is a lot of them are artificially sweetened. So we try and stay away from, like, artificially because for a lot of people that causes, like, bloating, and d- digestion issues. Yep. Um, I do sometimes take them. Again, that's, like, you know, you're deep in a prep and you, like, need that extra boost. Um, or you can find, like, unflavored ones, but they're not, like, I don't know enjoy those it's like hard to get down um and and stevia I I do I do have like the odd stevia like sweetening thing which isn't terrible um but I'm not like a huge like I I feel that caffeine definitely does the trick for me um so yeah
1: (laughs) yeah I mean definitely a great appetite suppressant so helps to get people through I mean I know some of the pre-workouts too people need to kind of watch out for because oftentimes there's more caffeine added than even what's on the label um, yeah, but ironically, yeah. the just the straight caffeine tablets are a lot more inexpensive and you know you can kind of accurately dose if you're wanting that fifty or 150 or 200 milligrams
0: yeah, yeah. exactly exactly and you, you know exactly where you're getting whereas like i think a cup of coffee on average is like 100 and 150 but you don't really know like <laughs> yeah there was like that how this, strong was it brewed like
1: for sure they had that study done on the starbucks coffee and it was like monday and tuesday was twice as strong as wednesday and thursday so i'm not sure if they were just trying to help people get their week started or what was going on there. Oh my there, gosh but... i didn't
0: even know that that's, that's funny but <laughs> I and, believe
1: it. as it relates to recovery obviously you're having to train intensely and one of the big aspects of being able to continue to train intensely is your capacity to So, are there any strategies, whether it's around sleep, whether it's around different uh, modalities, therapies that you implement to help uh, help you recover?
0: Yeah, like sleep is huge. Like again, magnesium, I'm big. Like you know, I use a lot of different uh, supplements that have magnesium in it, um, like zinc. uh, Those things are really great for recovery. Glutamine is amazing, and it's also really good for your digestion. So, I use glutamine. and, you know, for recovery, I do really love infrared sauna, um, for a couple of reasons. Like, I don't know when I get in there, it's just like really relaxing and it's kind of like de-stressing because where I go, it's like this literally like this like tiny little square and it's yeah. like nobody around. And it's just like me in it. There's no one else. There's no like crazy half naked people doing weird things. Yeah, <laughs> like you just, like it's,
1: zone like, out, you get your own yeah. zen room.
0: Yeah. And then I, I actually last prep, I did a couple of times. I went to cryo and I did find that after I did cryo, I felt really refreshed and regenerized and like, you know, like just, I don't know. It was a very interesting, like I did only did three sessions. And so I'm not like, I mean, I, I totally understand like ice baths and things like that, but cryo was just like completely different. I find of like ice baths you get in and you're like stressed because you're like, oh my God, it's so cold. But then like the cryo is like done in like two, three minutes and it's not as intense but it's still really really cold i don't know it was interesting
1: yeah it's (laughs) it's, um definitely one where they've shown that if if you can stack up these sessions more back to back then there's um you know the efficacy can go up for sure in terms of cryotherapy i always find it interesting because between a cold water immersions and cryotherapy you get to about the same core temperature but one of them's eight degrees and the other one's like minus 110 or whatnot. yeah yeah it's, uh, it's it's impressive but definitely uh for some people that that impact on um in terms of perceived muscle soreness and stuff is, is really, uh, can be a big benefit for some folks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I inter- do
0: weekly massages too. And so I find that that really helps too.
1: Terrific. And, and any, um, on the sleep front, is there a certain amount of hours that you, you know, are you pretty good with kind of having a certain bedtime or a certain amount of hours? Is it pretty variable in terms of having to train and work and everything else? Like how does that look for you?
0: I mean, everybody's really different, but I find like the magic number for me is between like six and eight Um, anything after eight, I'm like over, like (laughs) rested. I don't know. And then I have a hard time getting going and I just feel like more sleepy. And the same thing for me with like naps. If I take a nap in the day, like I can't just like have a cat nap and feel refreshed. I like have a sleep and then I feel wrote off for the rest of the day. Like, so I just need that magical number between six and eight. I usually try and get to bed. I I prefer, prefer 10 because I want to get those, you know, that good REM sleep, but I don't usually get to bed till about eleven. And I just got a puppy, so currently my sleep is a slightly disrupted because I was gonna
1: say, yeah, that's definitely one that throws off the sleep for sure. Yeah. He's
0: cute though, but and then <laughs> there you go. the other the other dog is kinda used to like me getting up at like five or six, so he's good all night. But then this little guy kind of middle of the night is like wakes up and just He's a French bulldog and he's kind of snorty. So even if he's like not bugging me, I hear him like snorting because I <laughs> really like know.
1: So. Oh, and so for you, you mentioned like naps and stuff like that. Not is not a strategy that you use, or
0: not for me. But I mean, they're great. Like I mean, if you can get like a little cat nap and you feel refreshed, and you know, bodybuilders way back in the day used to like take a nap before they went and trained, like like the old school bodybuilders. Like so, they're like I mean, I'm not saying it's, it doesn't work. It's just not for me. I don't think because I feel like once I nap, I just. I feel so groggy and can't function properly.
1: <laughs> yeah, you can definitely get some of that sleep inertia that comes on, especially if the naps yeah. are a little bit too long. They can it can I remember my first nap in high school before a basketball game, I didn't know what day it was or where I was. I mean it was That's exactly some really bad I sleep inertia. But uh uh recently had Sherry Ma on who's a sleep expert and she mentioned sort of you know, having those shorter fifteen, twenty minute not even really falling asleep, just closing the eyes can have some benefit in terms of um, you know, recovery and um, especially on the mental side in terms of cognitive function memory things like that um but shifting gears a little bit to your background as a track and field coach now how does that does that play a role in how you train how you prepare for competitions or is it more so sometimes dealing with other clients and athletes
0: yeah I mean I kind of take like everything from like my background and kind of put it into like how I train other athletes um for for me I mean it was like you know one of my you know, I love track. It's my passion. It's kind of where my heart is, um, coaching it. There's not so much money in it. So I've kind of stepped back this year, um, from that front. But, um, I, I do like learned a lot of like, but that's where I first got into the gym because there's a huge weightlifting component when it comes to like speed training and hurdle training. And, and that's where I really like kind of got it my first taste of like the gym and where, you know, Lifting and just technique and things like that, and I find my my cardio are like when I have to run, I I say my running economy is a lot better than like a lot of other like quote unquote bodybuilders because they don't have that background. So I get I feel like I get a lot more out of my cardio because I can conserve my energy properly with proper form and still go hard. Where a lot of people, if your running economy sucks and you're running terrible and like flat footed and just what. You're not using the proper muscles. You're not getting as much as you out of your cardio session. So I feel like that totally has benefited me as like a bodybuilder when I need to like drop fat and do my cardio. So absolutely,
1: you know, it, it's amazing how uh, when people swim, it's so obvious when your form sucks <laughs> that it's a lot harder work. But it's harder for people to intuitively feel that when they're running in terms of how well improving running uh, economy and, and form and technique just has a massive, massive mm-hmm. impact.
0: Yeah, or even just the proper running shoes, because a lot of people lift and and train in their same running shoes, and it's not very good for Once you have a problem in your arch, it goes, as you know, like ankles, knees, hips, back, shoulders. So, you know, you get all these people who are like, oh, I have this shoulder issue or this back issue, and it's because, like, I'm training hard for the show. But then you look at, like, the cardio that they're doing. They're running, like, flat-footed on a pair of, like, flat-footed, like, non running shoes for yeah, all the yeah, cardio definitely. and it's like okay well where, where's the real issue <laughs>
1: <laughs> and then and with your background as a track and field coach you know are there certain suggestions or tips that you might give whether it's someone who's preparing for a, a figure competition whether it's a client who's trying to uh, maybe just lose weight in terms of whether it's you know a certain amount of sprints or types of training that you'd recommend
0: um You know, again, like, everybody's so different. Like, everything's individually basis. For sure. Um, But, like, just make sure that you're in the right shoes and get fitted, like, for running versus when you're doing lifting. Like, and shoes... Have an expiry date. They're made of EVA foam. That's like a compressible foam. And if you're pounding them for even just like about three months, say you're working out seven days a week, three three months of the year, they're they're done. Those shoes need to be. They might look clean and you've kept them well, but they're not benefiting you. So like, as much as it sucks this day and age, but you're paying for the technology in the shoes. But every couple of months, you need to replace those shoes because if you start getting injuries. And it, it's related to like the impact for the compression that you're putting on that, like the body weight that, and the, that force, then you really just need to replace your shoes. That's like my biggest advice is like, don't keep your shoes for too long. If you're working out intensely for a really like long period of time, you need to, you need new shoes.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Um yeah, as, as you mentioned, especially so many clients who are just, you know, they've been using the same shoes for four or five years, let alone, let alone months. So if you're yeah, struggling with some have... ankle issues and foot issues, that's a good first place to start.
0: Or even back, like honestly, especially lifting, a lot of people develop like, back issues. But if if you're also maybe improper lifting technique, but if you're adding in like terrible shoes on top of that, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Like try try and eliminate all the variables and just suck it up and replace your shoes. <laughs>
1: And a little bit more on the track and field front, in terms of mobility and flexibility, some of the warm-ups that you obviously do as a track and field athlete, is, is, have you feel like you've benefited a lot from that in terms of your moving into the gym
0: and working on that side of things? You think I would. Um, (laughs) The problem is is that, like, I spend so much time in the gym, I will admittedly say that I do not spend enough time on mobility. And that's honestly also, like, you you say you should know your greatest weaknesses. So the mobility thing is also one of my greatest weaknesses. Because on stage, when it comes to posing, I'm not one of those people who has a naturally lordotic curve. Mm -hmm. And when you're posing, especially in figure, you do have to have this huge arch. Like, it's, you're arching and pulling your shoulders back towards the judges and your back, but you're, like, keeping your glutes high and because of my lack of mobility, I'm not the best at that. Like I have this very strong, powerful back and but my posing could be better because I need to focus more on my mobility. Which I know better as a as a as a fitness coach. I, I know better. But it's that, you know, I'm also an athlete and it's like, Oh, I just wanna leave, I wanna go home, I wanna eat, I wanna go, go cuddle my puppies. Like There
1: you go, right. But, even, but, uh, uh, even the I know, best. I
0: know. I need to, and I should, <laughs> and I know what to do, and it should benefit fit me. Um, but I am, I'm, I will admittedly say, I don't spend enough time doing it. Well, that's. I mean,
1: <laughs> just as you mentioned, even the best have coaches, and you have a coach, and that's exactly some of the reasons why even all the best have coaches, right, to get them to do the things that even fundamentally, if we are aware of, it's it's just difficult to to program it all in. And like you said, when you're tired and it's time to go home and everything else, right. Mm-hmm, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, you're obviously very busy with training and clients, etc. Can you give us a little glimpse into, you know, daily routines for you? You, what are you getting up in the morning? Are you a coffee person? Sounds like you are. Training in the morning? Is it straight to work? Give us a little uh, idea of how that looks for you.
0: Yeah, I, uh, you know, I try to get up early. Um, I always go and do fasted cardio, and then I come home and eat. And I'm primarily an online coach, so once I, you know, come home and eat. I work on a few programs, updates, whatever I need to do for that day, blog posts, whatever I'm going on. And then um, in between my meals, like that's kind of what I'm doing is I'm working on, on programs. And then um, I fit in my workout, usually depending on like Sean, depending on like when he wants to train, if we're training together. So I'm pretty flexible like that. So it's kind of fun to just rearrange my workouts and just how my day goes. I really like that I don't have like a hundred percent set schedule and it really works well when you're trying to be very competitive like i am to not have to work that nine to five and be forced into like you know training late or training everything super early so i like to like spread it all out which is
1: awesome yeah having some degree of control over your schedule is such a huge uh benefit and uh obviously it could be stressful too for folks who are trying to carve it into times in the day where it's not ideal so that's a great uh, great take-home if you can do it and if we wrap things up here um alicia and and Again, for folks who are maybe just dipping their toe into this or even experts for that matter who are who are competitors, you know if you had to give a female uh, figure competitor a piece of advice you know on preparing for a competition, you know what's that twenty percent of the fundamentals uh, that's going to get them eighty percent of the way home? What's some of those big rocks? What would they be?
0: Um, intensity, definitely intensity, effort, adherence, and also posing you know you're being judged from the moment you step onto that stage and if you spend a lot of people will leave their posing till the very end and then just kind of throw it together but you need to look natural at it and if you look like a robot someone has a good body and that's similar to yours but they can pose and present it better than you they're going to place better
1: awesome great stuff great great advice lisha really appreciate you carving out the time today i know you're super busy so you know where can people stay connected with you and keep up with all your awesome work
0: Um, I can be found on everything is train it right. I'm train it right on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, Pinterest. And then my website is www.trainitright.com. And yeah, so really easy to find train it right.
1: Awesome. Well, we'll definitely include all those links in the show notes at drbubbs.com forward slash podcast thanks again for everyone tuning in. If you have any questions for Alicia or want to leave a comment on today's episode, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Dr. Bubs. And of course, we really appreciate your comments, so keep them coming. And of course, if you enjoy the show and are a regular listener, please subscribe and share with friends and colleagues. Thanks again, everyone, and see you guys all next week.